A massive hello to all of my listeners and my apologies for a few weeks out of play on the hard yards. I am, however, very excited to have made it to episode 20 in what has been a pretty cool journey delving into multiple sports and athletes and looking at their many different ways to overcome challenges and make it to the top. This week, I'm super excited to be chatting to one of my favourite sportsmen over the years, and I can honestly say I've been a genuine fan of this guy on the rugby league field from the moment he represented Queensland at state of origin level back in 1994. Having played for St George, the Broncos, Queensland and Australia and captaining three of three of the four of those sides, he was a truly dominant figure in the game of rugby league. Gives me great pleasure to welcome a fellow Townsville boy, Gordon Tallis, to the Hard Yards. And I can't wait to hear about the journey and challenges he faced along the way to get to the top. Welcome to the show, Gordon. And thanks so much for taking the time to chat to me, mate. Mate, it's a pleasure. I didn't realise you were a Townsvillian, mate. I am, I am. I was born in Townsville and uh, lived in Woolgaroo, just behind the Laverack Barracks yeah. there. Yeah, and, um, yeah, moved to Brisbane when I was only eight or nine, I think. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool reading that about you in my, in my sort of uh, investigation of Gordon Tallis. And, um, mate, when were you, when were you uh, moving down? Did you just move out of Townsville when you went to play rugby league or had you moved earlier That's than that? It. Oh, wow. No, that's it. The first time, yeah, that's it. So the first time, uh, I'd only been on a plane once. Uh, I made the North Queensland under-12s team. And we came down in 1985 to Brisbane. And I played against Darling Downs and Central Queensland, yeah, sure. Brisbane North, South, East and West or whatever it was. And um, I played in that tournament. That was the first time I was on a plane. And the second time I ever went on a plane was to fly to Sydney to have a trial for St. George. So wow. uh, I was 18. So... I caught the skinny dog. I caught the Greyhound bus, I think, to the 1987 Brisbane Grand Final. <laughs> Brothers, I think, played Redcliffe or somewhere like that. Uh, we went and watched the Bullets, but that was a long trip, mate, in a bus. I think it was a 20-hour oh, yeah. trip from Townsville. Yeah. Um, but we didn't have too much money, but it was a great journey. Um, yeah, so left Townsville uh, back in 91, uh, at the end of 91, to start with the Dragons in 92. What about your childhood growing up in Townsville? And for those listeners out there who've never experienced Townsville, it's hot. It is a yes. hot place, yeah. isn't it? You know, like Mate, well, you see trees fighting over a dog. That's how hot it is. And the chickens lay hard-boiled eggs in the middle of summer in Townsville, mate. It, oh, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those places. And, you know, you play footy in the middle of winter, but there's not much winter, I suppose. No. Um, it's cold until the sun comes out. And it's a beautiful, say, balmy 25, 26 through the day. It gets a bit cold. I'm pretty sure when you're a kid and that's all you know, it might get the single figures. But, you know, if it's... Oh, yeah. Can't remember pen, that. It's cold. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. cold. But it's normally pretty much reaching 30 every day. And then in the middle of summer, um, around Christmas time, it's unbearable. No matter where you go, in the car, in the shopping centre. So you just get out of it. But um, it was great growing up in North Queensland because of the amount of sport and everybody was level and sport I think was a great equaliser. It's not, you know, I've never been to a place that sport just galvanised everybody and no matter where you're from, you know, like there's a bloke named Bob Pack and he was a judge in the high court. Well, he used to have a beer with my dad at the Townsville Sports Reserve after watching footy and then, you know, everybody was equal. So whether it was rugby league, um, I played softball, um, a little bit of AFL, whether you played cricket, everybody was all in there. You didn't sort of pick your sport no matter what school you went to. Everybody played the sport that was going on at the time. And um, uh, and it was a great place to grow up, even though it was hot, but I loved growing up in Townsville. Couldn't swim. Even though it's hot, you can't even go to the Strand and have a swim because of the year of Ganges. And if they don't get you, the crocodiles have eaten them. And if the crocodiles <laughs> get you, well, the sharks have eaten the crocodiles. So 
it was one of those places <laughs> and if you walk off the beaten track there's brown snakes everywhere it's just there was danger everywhere you went and that's without jumping on a footy field and I reckon the amazing part about it too Gordon when you know I'm 45 you're 47 so we we actually probably uh you know we're alive in the same city at the same time yeah. running around um but I remember my childhood growing up one of the crazy parts about what you were just saying and is that, you know, you'd get home from school and I'd just yell out to mum, I'm going up the road, going to the park, you know, I'm going to play. And um, she goes, no worries, just make sure you're home by dark, you know, and that's that what it. you did every the afternoon. That was it. So, like, in the rule at home, you could go to where, uh, mate, you could go play, you just, mate, you wouldn't even come out from school. You'd probably drop your bag on the steps and you're <laughs> at your mate's place. But the rule uh, in the Talis household, well, you had to be home when the streetlights were on because that was dark and you'd sort of see them and they'd take a while to warm up. So you're on the bike and you, or you're running a couple of on blocks to get home. Yeah. Oh, and it was always dinner time too. And, you know, like feeding the Talos boys, there was always a race there. So, but I had an uncle that lived in Walgaroo. So I used to go out there a fair bit. You know, yeah. he sort of was the first street on the right and turn left and he used to own uh, race horses. So we'd go and jump on a couple of little ponies in a couple of the, the stables around there. So, I used to go to Walgaroo and I had... Well, the racetrack was uncles. just near there, wasn't there? There was a racetrack yeah, just across there, the Cluden. road, essentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then um, the cement works, where yes. all my uncles used to work, was past it. So, mate, I used to go past there a fair bit. So all my family pretty much worked at NACL, which was Northern Australian Cement Limited or whatever like that. So I used to small go past world. there a fair bit. And it's Aboriginal, actually. It's Walgaroo Bar. Okay. Bar. So and it's just got short in the Walgaroo. So... I know that area quite well. So I mm. might have passed you in the streets <laughs> <laughs> walking Correct. a horse or doing something bad, mate. You would have, mate, you would have stayed away from me. <laughs> uh, oh, and, and sport-wise, you mentioned a couple there. Was it, always, was it always rugby league for you? Or, you know, you mentioned you played all the sports growing up, but when yeah. did rugby league sort of really take off as being the sport for you? Oh, it sort of took off because all my mates – Played it so um, as a kid, like I'm the youngest in the family. Actually, I'm the youngest boy um, in the whole McDonald Tallis tribe. So um, we played softball. Um, they played basketball. So I played all those sports. A bit younger than I couldn't play rugby league till I was eight. I played AFL. My dad was a life member at Garbutt Magpies. So all my uncles are AFL. So we used to clean the AFL ground. So I played all of them. But rugby league probably was the one that was the most prominent, I think, in mm-hmm. Townsville. Like, everybody played rugby league. Rugby union was there. My brother played it, but I didn't play rugby union. Um, my best mates did. But Central's was a club. It was down the road. I'd ride my bike there. Um, we pretty much had the same team from under 8s to under 18. So yeah, we are wow. really tight-knit group. And so for 10 years, I pretty much played with the same group of guys. And that's probably what sort of... Kept me in rugby league. My brother was the big star. He was the one that signed for the Broncos. He made Queensland. He made all those sides. My first ever Queensland side was State of Origin. So I never played all the rep sides growing up. I only made North Queensland once. Uh, I played for Townsville, um, probably because my dad was a coach most of the time, or my uncles or something like that. But um, I didn't actually play for North Queensland, uh, only schoolboys. I didn't play North Queensland club, and that was you know, what everybody played back then and probably um, aspired to. And I never ever got to make it. And um, I suppose I was lucky to get a trial down in St. George. When and I was, how did that you know, come about know. then? You know, like how does that play out? Well, one of my mates that, yeah, well, one of my mates I was playing with at St. George, his dad was the president of our, I mean, um, 
at Central's, his dad was the president. And we're in the pool having a beer, as all 17-year-olds do in Townsville. And he got a phone call from the great Rod Reddy that coached in Townsville, I think, in 86 and 87. He said, have you got any good young kids there? And he rattled off all the names. And then, you know, uh, myself and his son were in the pool. He goes, oh, you're Gordon Tallis. And Rocket realised my dad was six foot four. He was involved in the club, played a bit of footy. My brother was down at the Broncos at the time. Let's give this guy a shot. So I got a phone call that night um, at home from Rod Reddy, who... Played for Australia, a legend, Rocket, um, in the original state of origin. Said, "Do you want to come down for a trial?" And, you know, we scraped up all the money we could back then. I reckon it was the old paper ticket. I think it was about six hundred bucks. And yeah. Mum and Dad didn't want me to not have an opportunity to go down and play. So I went to a trial, thinking that I've made it because I'm trialing for St George, the big red V. And I didn't realise that anybody could have trialed. It was like walking off the street. So anybody could go to that trial. All oh, right. So I just went there and it's like anybody drove and it was just, it was like herding cats actually, you know, the trial. And then um, they invited me back the week after. I only had, you know, five days or whatever in Sydney and they invited me back the week after, which was the invited trial with all the kids that they'd seen around. And then they invited me back to that one. So I played 20 minutes the first week. I played 20 minutes. I remember going over to the Leagues Club, putting the 20 cents in with your mum and I said, oh, I only got 20 minutes. Um, but the reason why other scouts went there and they didn't want them to see what yeah, they right. saw. And then yeah. Brian Smith walked straight after me after I went and rang mum because I wasn't going to play in the last trial. And he goes, mate, we want to sign you. What do you want? I just said a job. Yeah, wow. That was it. I, was, it was, I think it was probably the no easiest concept, negotiation. really, did you? You probably had no concept had no idea, of how, how, to, how much money to say or, or anything. Well, I didn't. I said, um, and then they said, oh, well, we'll give you some accommodation which myself, Nathan Brown, Big Matty Parsons, one for Newcastle, uh, Luke Felsch, uh, Scotty Ingram, Scotty Park. So there were six boys. We just moved into this house behind the Leagues Club. That, and then I worked on the council. So they got me a job on the Hurstville Council. I'd catch a train to work and run and we were training in the under-19s. And it was really good because you earned pretty good money. I was outdoors. I was doing a bit of manual labour. And um, there was a sizzler in the car park. So we ate pretty well too so yeah. at night instead of going to Woolworths and Coles and cooking you'd go up there and for I think it was seven bucks for the salad you'd get you know the parser and a bit of fruit and a bit of salad and you'd eat those spicy chips or whatever those those, <laughs> those like potato skins used to get a workout um, so and but like when I went to Sydney I was only 86 kilo yeah right so it was a chance to keep on putting the fuel in your body and then uh, as you got a bit Bit more educated in the, you know, healthy food. You start having a steak with, with um, with some of the other foods, but you couldn't eat enough back then, mate. It was like we had holes in our bloody shoes, of, you know. So, but it was a really good time, and then I trolled and made it. And that year, I played under 19s, um, and I broke my thumb, and then I thought, oh well, that's it. And then um, I ended up getting that fixed, and they said, oh, you want a game under 21? So I played under 21s, and ended up playing reserve grade, and I played first grade all in the one year. You know, yeah. and, I, and I missed six or six or eight weeks. So, from playing fifteen minutes of first grade in Townsville in a trial match to going to Sydney within twelve months, playing Amazing. first grade in Sydney, yeah, it was it was like this, and there was injuries, and of course, stuff's got to happen, you know, injuries and all that. But I got a chance to play first grade, and um, I realised there wasn't much difference, and it was just the speed. They were just it was just yeah. so fast. Like the game just went so quick, but I wasn't like I didn't hit harder. There wasn't the things that 
I couldn't control was just getting my fitness up to a level where you could match those guys, you know, for 80 minutes. And you know, that was the biggest challenge for me because I didn't like training. I actually hated training. So, yeah, right. Um, Did that remain? But I knew that it was a mean. So I knew that I had to touch every line. You didn't have to win anything, but you just had to beat that little man in your head. Yeah. And, you know, going, mate, going to towns or playing for fun. Yeah. Going and having a game oh, of touch footy. Never, ever had to do beat test, road runs, did any of that because I, because I never played senior footy. I never had to put yeah. on weight. So we were kids going and having a game of touch footy and playing on Sundays or Friday nights to and like you said, training you'd, and you'd, doing weight. And like you said, you'd, you'd played with the same kids from 8 to 18. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, so we all knew each other. Knew, and you mate, just knew what everyone did and away you went. That was it. Yeah, mate, well, it's probably like you going to play golf. And you mm. jump out of the car and go on the first tee. And then you realize, yep. oh, no, I've got to go hit balls. I've got to stretch. There's a routine. You go. <laughs> I didn't know any of that. It was just like, no. mate, I'm going to play footy. And then there's a lot more to jumping on the first tee um, at the Aussie Open. You know, there's there's a lot of work yep. and preparation that goes into that moment. Behind the scenes, um, you know, that's the hard Yeah, absolutely. When no one's watching. yourself. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And was that tough to deal with as an 18-year-old? Um, well, because you never did it. Like, I was excited. I didn't want to lose. But yeah, sure. I felt, you know, like you're playing. So Anthony Mundine, I remember he was 17, and he would lead everything. So even the first grade, he was so wow. fit. And it was more fitness. It wasn't the fact of that. So just getting time in your legs. And then when you go home to Townsville for Christmas, I'd run from Mount Louisa in the hot sun down to the Strand. I had to run. And it was like 10 k in the middle of Summer, so you couldn't imagine what that was like. And <laughs> mum and dad, they'd drive past, and I'd get in the water, and I'd just dive in there, and I was nearly dead. But then by the time I got back to training, I didn't have that two weeks off at Christmas. I didn't have the time off because I needed to, to pretty much run all the way. And then I, I think I trialled at 86 kilo. I went back to St. George. I was 82 because I just was running. It's just, And I was just losing so much weight, but I thought that I needed that. And then as you get in the system and you realise the game's faster, and then because I jumped the level so quick, I just wasn't ready for the speed of the game. And then the next preseason, I was better and then better and better and better. And then by the time I got to Brisbane, their preseason was totally different. It was like it was a proper army camp. It was like we're going to break you until you can't do any more, and you're exhausted. And you're going to come back the next day. We're going to build you up, and then we're going to break you down. Um, but as you get older, you just realise what you need to do to be as good as what you can be. You, so you played in that first year at St. George yep. in 92 and yep. actually ended up losing 93 grand final to the Broncos. The Brisbane, yeah. yeah. I lost um, the first one too because I played in the under-18s grand final against Stephen Kearney. He was playing for West, massive oil in brawl. I was 19, so I ended up playing first grade. The under-21s had made the final. I think they finished first. Then I end up playing in the under twenty ones grand final. Um, we got beaten, and it's the I think they beat beat West twice that year. Beat them in the semi final, so three times that year, and we lost in the grand final to them. So um, that was pretty hard to take. And then the next, and then I actually sat in the stand. There I say, embarrassed for the Broncos. I was a massive Broncos fan. Played under twenty ones for St George against West, but you all your heroes are playing the side that the you supported. Yeah. We were playing, so I'm like. Go Broncos! When they were winning, I was like, I wasn't sad, you yeah. know. Like I was like really happy because Brisbane won. And then um, the next year, I end up um, playing in the grand final against them. Um, I played. I started the year in reserve grade, finished in first grade. I probably played the first say five to 
seven games in reserve grade and then ended up playing first grade for the rest of the year. And I was on the bench and come on and um, end up uh, playing in the grand final. Brisbane were way too good that day. They limped in to the finals because they were the first side to win from win fifth. fifth. Mm. Yeah. So we beat them in the last round up here at ANZ Stadium and then we thought, God, if we get them out, we had a really good side. And, um, we'd beat Canberra, we'd beat the Bulldogs, we'd, we'd knocked over everybody and then Brisbane, um, I think it was 14-8 or something. It was just one yep. of those dour, boring games and um, <laughs> and Brisbane were just bloody too good. And at what? so you said that, you know, you were obviously a fan of the Broncos and, and like, you know, yeah. little North Queensland kids that you and I were, you know, and, and rugby league sort of, you know, whatever, whatever we got rugby league wise coming onto the TVs up there, we, we didn't have a Brisbane Broncos. We had a, you know, I remember following Manly Seagulls because Fatty Vaughton and Dale Shearer were there, yeah, you know, right, yeah. and, uh, and then when the Broncos came into the comp in 88, it was just like Christmas as a, as a kid, because all of a sudden we had all of them in the one squad. You know, absolutely. It was, just it was huge. Yeah, it was so big you couldn't get their merchandise you wanted. To, and I remember like getting a hat. It was a corduroy hat with Broncos written on it, and you had to wait. I think you know the Broncos got launched, and it was just and even their beer. Like you know, like Dad mm. was a bit. You couldn't even get their beer. Powers was selling out. They couldn't do anything. Yeah, it was amazing, just, mate. It was huge because. I was a Winner Manly supporter because of Gene Miles, Colin Scott, all the Townsville boys yep. went and played for Winner Manly. So I become a Winner Manly supporter and Wally Lewis was there, of course. Of course. And then when the Broncos come in, and like I'm 15, I'm right at the cusp of really getting into rugby league and you'd get the ABC game yep. on a Saturday afternoon and that was the Sydney comp. So you'd watch that it? And, yep. and it was so cool. And then Sunday night, you'd get the big statewide replay or whatever and you'd sit there with the toasted sandwiches and you know <laughs> watch and bloody watch you know your heroes and it was mainly Wynnum and South yes when I was getting right into it because they were the sides that were playing in all the grand finals so Wynnum South um a little bit of brothers and Redcliffe so yeah um I like Wynnum because of the town supports yeah absolutely and so was that you know, obviously, you you decided to move. There was a bit of a Super League. We'll talk about Super League, actually. Super League came along, and, and, and you still had a – it looked like it was going to take okay. off, and then it sort of fell in a hole for a year, and you wanted to yeah. get, try and get out of your contract and get to the Broncos. How did that all play out for, for you, mate? Um, did the Broncos reach out to you? How did that work out, that, you know, Super League and all that stuff? It could be, it could be a four-day podcast. Super League, yeah, right. but I'll, I'll cut it down as quick cut as I can. To, yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm a young kid <laughs> where I'm playing for the Dragons. I get a phone call at six o'clock in the morning. It's my manager saying Super League's broke. Don't sign anything. Do yeah, not wow. sign anything. There's another competition. Don't sign anything. I'm playing. He goes, I'm sorry. It's game day. No one rings you at 6am in the morning. That's and right. I didn't have a mobile phone. Then it was a landline. So I went out there and he goes, please do not sign anything. So I get to play. Think the dragons were playing the dogs. Sign this, ten thousand dollars. So no, it's just he gets it's just a loyalty payment. So I, I don't have my manager. I don't know anything. I haven't spoke to my mum and dad. I'm at the game. I don't want to sign it. It went from ten to a hundred thousand before the game. Then before after the, the game. game, it went up and then before the game. So that's just so then that's distracting. And the sad part is some and of my is teammates. This, is this yeah. from the? Sorry, is the money here the this, signing? This is was the, the ARL. The ARL side. No, this aware. was the ARL going well, mate. Like we're in, they're in panic mode. So they signed, I think they signed the Raiders in Townsville. 
the Raiders and the Cow- uh, and the Cowboys signed in Townsville on the Saturday Saturday night or Friday night game, whatever. Then Saturday it must have got out. Sunday morning I get a phone call. Wow. So um, and then the next day we all went to Phillips Street where the judiciary was, and there's 200 footy players sitting on the sides of the street, sitting in hallways. Phil Gould, Bob Fulton, and James Packer are in three rooms. And you had to wait to get a meeting to say, I want to sign with the ARL. And I was going to go sign with the ARL. Myself and Nathan Brown went there. I was playing for the Dragons. I wanted to stay loyal. And then the money was going silly. And but and then Super League. And then someone would contact you from the Super League. And don't forget, they say, it's the same competition. We just signed Brisbane. We're signing the Raiders. We want you to come and play in this competition. There's going to be 10 teams. We're going to take it globally. The finals are going to be in places like Hong Kong. It's going to be like the Super Bowl. So theirs was all on the vision of the game. You're going to get better conditions. We're going to pay this. We're going to pay that. You're going to be a medical done. It's going to be 10000 a state of origin. I was playing state of origin on you know, $1,500. But that didn't worry me. I'd play for Queensland for nothing. I'd yeah. pay Queensland to play for Queensland in the back <laughs> of Charter's house. That yeah. wasn't the point. But it was just that. And the ARL was this. And as a 20-year-old kid, it was quite confusing on who you believed and you trusted. You had the Packers on one hand, the Murdochs on the other. But there was all these people telling you, different stories and um, I went to choose ARL and that's when Phil Gould called me a bench player because we went in for a price and he goes well you're a bench player why would I pay you that and when you got a manager that had signed all these other players they go well I, you just signed this bloke for that you've signed this bloke for that Yeah. and that's when I went to Super League simply mm. because of that and then ARL offered me more money but I went to Super League and that's pretty much that in a nutshell um it was going to kick off the next year. I went to train with Brisbane. I trained all year with Brisbane. Judge Burchett overruled him, I think, in January or February. Super League couldn't start. I couldn't have gone back to St. George because I'd done the whole pre-season, yeah. made all new friends, moved, took a stance, and then you can't sort they, of train they gave with you one the and option. go play for there. Did they give you the option to go and play for St. George? Well, still? I was contracted to St. George. Yeah. And then when the competitions come back together, yes, I could have gone back in Brisbane said, look, it's up to you. But me and my stupid big mouth where the filter doesn't always work, they asked me what happens if it doesn't get off. I said, well, I'd rather sit out of here. Yeah. So, when, so if you say it, you've got to stick to your word, haven't you? Yeah. So then when I, so then at times I had Nathan Brown, Chock, Mark Coyne, Goulet, Barnhill, all my great mates ringing me saying, come back, come back, come back. And I Got a bit upset a couple of times and I, I gonna say, spoke to Dad. I said, Dad, I said, Dad, what are you doing? He goes, well, what did you say? I said, I'm going to sit out of you. He goes, that was it. <laughs> for, those well, you, basically, for those of you listening we, into the podcast here, you don't get to see what you're Gordon's the dickhead face said was it. then. But when he, when he said what, what his dad said, he just his dad just looked at him and nodded and went, well, yeah. you stick he to your word, young man. He just for me like an old cowboy and went like, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the idiot that said it. But it, it was... And it was a great lesson. It was a valuable lesson because it's the only thing that I knew what to do. It was the only thing that I really, truly loved in life. I was starting to make a name for myself. And mm. I, and then in 95, I, you know, I played State of Origin. I mean, sorry, 94 played State of Origin. They didn't pick us in 95. Um, I played in grand finals and I gave it all up, mm. you know. And it was, you know, half a million dollars a year that I gave up not knowing whether I'd ever get that money back again. Or whatever, and then I gave up all my money. People thought I got paid. I worked for the Broncos that year on a salary, 
And, yeah. and, that's, and that's when I learned the other side of the fence. I was going and talking to sponsors. I was doing all the networking for the club, which was actually really interesting. So Shane Edwards, the CEO at the time, took me around. And I'd sit in all the business meetings to know how hard it is to sell sport to companies. And it's tough. Um, it was a great lesson. You know I mean, so to play and give up something that you love, but it taught me a lot. You know, so I... <laughs> Probably um, held you in pretty good stead further down the track in your career when you became captain and the like as well. To have that understanding yeah. of the background that how hard the work is and the organisation working yeah. to put sponsors on your jerseys and, you know, be able well, to pay the players. Yeah, absolutely. So not only that, to um, realise that when you retire, no one wants to know you too. Mm. It was a bit like when I walked away that year, no matter what happens, like you're a long time retired. So I realised, hey, don't take this for granted. You know, when you ride off into the sunset, you actually ride off and people will recognise you. But, mate, once you're out of the bright lights and they get turned off, yeah. you might walk the streets and then you, you know, Jonathan Thurston or Cameron, except for Cameron Smith. God, he's 52 and still going. Um, <laughs> Is that why I, he's having such a difficult, you know, little segue here? Is that why he's having such a difficult decision to make? Because... You know, it would seem as though his body's still very capable of playing at this level and that long-time retired statement is surely ringing in his ears. So does he go around again? Well, you sort of know when you can't compete. Everybody knows when you can't hit it as long as the young kids or further or hit the putts or you just know. But last night up in the first 40 minutes, he was the best player on the field. They're up Mm. 22 nil or whatever. He was the best player. Pappenhausen came up with some big moments to steal the Clive Churchill. So the best young side in the competition won 17 or 18 in a row. Yeah. You're playing them. You're 37. Father time supposed to be catching up with you. You're still one of the, the best, best players in the game. Yeah. But you're holding back two younger kids. If those two kids were at other clubs, he'd be playing. Yeah. But it's because they're underneath him. And I think he's feeling, I'm stopping these kids from having their career. If they leave the Melbourne Storm, are they going to be as successful of the franchise that I've helped build, this club that I've helped build? I'm going to be etched Mm. in stone here forever. If I stay and we lose these players, what's going to happen to this club moving forward? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So there's all those questions and I'm cutting the mustard. You know, like he can still go out there and compete with the best. Um, I would love to see him come to the Titans or the Broncos. Like, seriously, like, but then do you want to do that? at his yeah. age. So there's a lot of questions that he's got to, you know, weigh up and, um, you know, if it is his last ever season and his last ever game of footy, well, what a way to go out. Because yeah. fairy tales don't often happen in rugby league. Yeah. I think Roy Simmons, Mel Meninga, Shane Webke, yeah. that's a bit, oh, Cooper Cronk. So there's not that many, mate. There's been a no, lot of people not, play. Yeah. Not too many people go out on top winning a no. grand final. I was secretly hoping last night, Gordy, that, when that Queensland team got announced that he was going to have his final Queensland <laughs> farewell. Do you know what I mean? Like, he just Same didn't here. get it, you know? And I was like, that was all I was waiting for. And they just kept going to ad breaks. I'm like, damn you, Channel 9. Like, just give me the Queensland team. And I was devastated. I must have been. I threw the remote into the cushion when uh, and it was just, on the lead on the board. I think it was back in 2000 or something when Lottie Takiri got, he got charged so Wayne Bennett had a TBA to be announced, right? Yes, yes. And then he, we didn't pick Lottie. He played for the Broncos, which he yes. didn't play for the Broncos. So yes. he served that one-week suspension on a Friday, played for Queensland on a Wednesday night. <laughs> I would just love to be to be announced, just I a know. TBA in the oh. Queensland side or just, or just pick 24 
and leave one open. And just so it just keeps on going on. But look, what a player. I, I, you know, um, Cameron, I was really disappointed when he stopped playing for Queensland, but we've showed that, you know, Queensland lives on because Wally doesn't play for Malfi and all those yeah. greats don't play and it's somebody else's turn. But, geez, it'd be great for him to have one last hurrah and be running yeah, out for I Queensland. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I just think it was like we, we missed that. Like as, as fanatical Queensland fans, yeah. we missed getting to s- say goodbye. And you saw it in that last game at Suncorp, you know, a week and a half ago. In the semi, in the preliminary final, um, where he subbed off the back of the field with you know six minutes to go or whatever, and and walked the back of the end goal and then down the sideline, and the whole stadium rose as one at Suncorp to yeah. say farewell. That this could be it. This could be. And yeah. We never really got that in Origin to sort of give him that. And game three this year, Suncorp Stadium. You know, maybe he'll play game three, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, there's two ways. Jonathan Thurston. (laughs) That's it. Well, Jonathan Thurston, it was like John Farnham. There was always this comeback to us. Every game he was getting presented something. (laughs) I got a bit sick of that. But Cameron, you think, mate, could we have just all gone and watched your last game? And Anastasia would have opened up the borders and we packed Suncorp and we all just got in there full of 4X gold and run amok for the last time. And uh, Cameron, uh, with his cat's hair, I know myself... Uh, and you, Matty, are follically challenged. We don't have much hair, so I can't be throwing stones. But no. Cameron, mate, when it started raining last night, Dizzy looked old, didn't it, mate? When the water started hitting the top of his head and, yeah, you, saw, and you saw Gilligan's Island pop up at the front, I'm thinking, Cameron, just shave yeah, it off, mate. But, shave but off. you know, when you're that good, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, mate, it's a bit like Darren Lockyer, mate. Like Darren Lockyer's comeback of hair is the best comeback in Queensland sport, isn't it? Lockie's yeah. hair. He, mate, he was gone. Mate, he was gone at twenty-seven. At at forty, he's got a full head of hair. Lockie, <laughs> what are you doing? He must have stole one. Of, mate, he must have found one of Wally Lawson's spray-on hair tints think, at the Broncos uh, at the yeah. old Red Hill. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> mate. The Broncos. Um, it's an interesting discussion with you for the Broncos because you loved them as a kid growing up. You went. Yep. You you got signed for them, so that's surely this is now like unbelievable to go back and. And, you know, play in some incredible sides at the Broncos. Yeah. Um, yeah. You said they were different. Their pre-season was different. They did yeah. things differently. Um, yeah. The organisation was a winning organisation. You know, yeah. they, they were a, a premium side. I know you're not involved with them now necessarily, but how hard is it as a former player and fan to watch the year that has been this year? Yeah, it, I think it was, it's really difficult because of something that you had a hand in building, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you know, and I end up texting Wally Lewis, I think, after round seven and saying, I'm sorry because you're the reason why I wanted to play for the Broncos. And I said, Wally, I'm sorry for you because the legacy, Wally Lewis is the most important signature ever at that club. Mm. Every other Queenslander signed, like G Miles, Alan Langer, all those guys signed to play with Wally, and then I wanted to play because of that. And then obviously, Darren Lockyer signed. Yeah, you know, so everybody signed there because Wally Lewis wore that jersey. And then kids signed because Darren Lockyer wore the jersey. So it all yep. filters through. And yep. then I, I was watching them, and I don't care if your side loses. I can take losing. Right? Yep. I'm a bad loser, but I can handle losing. I can't handle not having a go. And I thought at times. Um, 
you know, the boys lost their confidence and could have, could have put in a better effort. And the effort is what you bring to an organisation, you know. Everybody's missed the putt. Everybody's, you know, missed the fairway. But it's, but it's you know, how you miss it, I believe. And, um, you know, they were, um, they were disappointing um, at some stages. But um, I went to the Broncos Old Boys function the other day for the first time. Two of the original owners were there. The old feels back at the club. Yeah, right. And hopefully they realise that, when you pull on that jersey, and I don't want to be one of those old dinosaurs, but there's something different about that jersey. You've got to respect it. It's probably like a Newcastle jersey. Yeah. I, I felt it when I signed at South Sydney. It's, it, it, it's just a different beast. South Sydney people are different, and that's what you need. You need that thread of the history that's gone through the club, and you see it with Manly. You know, Manly had, dare I say, Trent Barrett. He's gone to Penrith, attacking case. They're unbelievable, but it just didn't rub. A pen, a, at Manly, they need a manly person there. It's just something yeah. that happens, you know. Yeah. And Brisbane, I think we lost our way a little bit off the field. Um, and hopefully that, you know, the board members and Lockie's there now, that they can get it back on track. And um, hopefully Kevy's the answer. I'm pretty sure that he's going to get a hell of a lot of support. Um, but the players need to take, you know, they need to take ownership for where the club's out at. Uh, at the moment, I don't think it's all Anthony Seabot. I don't think it's all. I think it's the players um, need to really have a tough off season and get back there and get the club back to where it deserves. I think Queensland fans deserve that organisation to be playing finals footy every year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they're. Um, I mean, we're used to it. I think that's the challenge, isn't it? You know, we're absolutely. used to it. I mean, we're not used to. Oh, certainly not used to. You know, winning three games in a season. You know, that's just a wooden spoon. You know, wooden mate, spoon, spoon, you know, yeah. I'm used to giving it to my Parramatta fan mates that, you know, <laughs> they've got the spoon. Mate, Nathan Highmarsh had comebacks at me for the first time. <laughs> I sit on a couch. The loser. Highmarsh is a loser. Fletch, wooden spoons. Now my club's on a wooden spoon. Oh, God. Mm. Oh, it's <laughs> brutal, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, mate, mates. but I'm at the Titans now. So, you know, we finished ninth. So just outside the eight. Pretty good year. Yeah, got, well, disappointing start, but a great year. And then, Matty, just, you know, because all the Broncos fans, I love Brisbane. I'm, I'm a North Queensland fan. I'm a North Queenslander at heart. That's me. I'm a North yeah. Queenslander. I love the Broncos. And the Titans are this Queensland club, right, that it's, they're like our cousin. They're our poor cousin down the road that no one wants to go yeah. visit. So, so for me, as a rugby league fan, as a, as a kid that grew up as a ball boy, sand boy, and just being involved in the game, you know, we got these owners that throw in their own money, like mm. own money, maybe $30, $40 million of their own money. Not yeah. the Broncos where those board members or the CEO takes a million dollars. They put yes. their own money in to keep rugby league alive in Queensland. How can I not want to go there and give them a hand to make mm. them successful? And, you know, with Fafita going there, young Tino, uh, the way Brimson finished the end of the season, hopefully the Titans, and we need it. We need it for the Gold Coast. They've had the Seagulls, they've had the Giants. Um, we can't afford to have another rugby league team fail on the Gold Coast because no, I agree. we because we'll never get um, mate, we'll never get another opportunity where the AFL, who the Gold Coast Suns, they got twenty seven million dollars this year or last year to run their to run their organisation. So their salary cap say fifteen. There's so much extra money to go out to promote it in schools, so we can't get beaten there. And if and if AFL think it's that important to have a 
side there, and that's our greatest competitor. But we got to think think the same, and that's why I've jumped on the bandwagon of the Titans, and it's been a long haul, and you know we've had some disappointing years. But as a Queenslander, I want to see kids yeah. growing up on the you know the Gold Coast or even on the Riverina and wanting to play for that club. And if we do, it's successful. And and it's got a rich history down there too, hasn't it? Yeah. Like when you think about rugby league and you know, the Gold Coast schools and that, that, you know, have, Absolutely. have fed into the NRL um, without question. How good would it be for Queensland Rugby League and not just at club level, but Queensland origin yeah. level, if we're feeding those kids from those Rugby League schools on the Goldies straight into a Gold Coast team and well, keeping them at home so that they play origin footy for Queensland? Well, Darius Boyd, Benji Marshall are two names that come to mind. There's... Well, David Fafita, that's that's part of the reason. He went to school there and he felt he was catching a train from Kamira here at 5 o'clock in the morning to go down to get the training. So yeah. all those kids that went to school there come through this great breeding system. We want them to keep on playing, you know, for the Gold Coast Titans. And I think with Mel and all the staff there, Dennis and Justin, they're starting to build the pathways and the culture there that kids want to stay. Um and if we do that, as I said, you know, I like we grew up in Townsville. The Cowboys weren't around. What Matt Bow and Jonathan Thurst and Matt Scott did, now every kid growing up in North yeah. Queensland is going to go play Absolutely. for the Cowboys, which is so important. Yeah. We didn't have to come to Brisbane now. So that is so important for that area to have a real successful side. And Brisbane's always had that. And the Gold Coast, because of, of how big the area is, we need to sew that up as well. Yeah, give kids that- opportunity. Because so many kids... Broncos have the pick of the state, right? So there were so many kids go by, go by the wayside yeah. in the past. Well, now the Cowboys, they don't go by the wayside. So Matty Bowen probably wouldn't have played for the Broncos because there was Darren Lockyer. Yeah. But he had a great career at the Cowboys. If we can get, you know, the Titans and there's three young fullbacks coming through, a Brimson and a Fell Holmes and, you know, whatever, it's, it's so much better for Queensland Rugby League moving forward. And I think, like you said before, you know, there's a there's a rich heritage of following on from Wally Lewis and you and you sort of pyramid, you know, falling down, filtering down, and the great players that have played for the Broncos. So players will always want to play for the Broncos. There's kids who will always have that and want to follow in those footsteps. Yeah. But if we can catch the rest in Queensland yeah. and have them filtered into our other teams, um, it just bodes well. So what's yeah. been the most difficult part of your career Gordon as far as you know going through that year off um, not playing footy having a pretty significant neck injury um, which we haven't spoken about yet or um, even post footy and what you're doing now you know and and the the challenges that you're facing at the Titans you know um, and what what your career currently looks like what's been the most challenging do you reckon? Oh, it had to be coming back from the neck injury. Um, in hindsight, I probably should have retired. It's probably like you jumping on the first tee without a driver. And <laughs> what I mean by that is because I played with my body and I used to go flat check into them, then you get neck injury and you can't do the wrestle. And then every time you get hit, like your arms would go numb. A bit like Brent Tate used to wear that sleeping yeah. bag. You know, he looked like a hiker, you know, walking through Mont Blanc, you know, with that big <laughs> sleeping bag on the back of his neck. So, like, then once you have a neck injury, it's like they take your sword or they take a bit of armour off you. So, every time I was going into battle, after that, 
it was, you know, mate, I'm hitting a three iron off the tee and everybody's hitting the driver. So um, did you, you did lose you that confidence. Did you feel that when you were playing? Did yeah. you feel like, oh, I just can't go as hard as yeah. the raging bull used to go? Yeah, the foot wasn't flat on the pedal. No. Yeah. No, so, 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 and that's because of the training. That's because I couldn't train. Like, I used to go sparring. I used to do a lot of boxing. I used to, you know, you'd get into training. So you're actually getting physically prepared for the battle ahead. And at the Broncos, when you're training, and there's Shane Webke, Petro Simmons, Eva Brad, Thorne, Tony Carroll, that you're running into. You had to be... <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah, so, so then at training, like, you'd stay out of the contact because of your neck, so you're preserving it, so then you're not as hardened, like, you're not as match yeah, hardened right. as what you were, and then, and then you just keep on slipping down the slope, you know, and that's... Um, so that was the toughest thing, is, like, playing and being able to do certain things on the field or... You know, not think about it. Actually, it's not thinking about things that you used to do on a field to every time you get there. You had to think about things and, oh, shit, where's this bloke going to hit me? Oh, and you and you yeah, wait before and he doesn't get you there. And it was it was just the mind games. And I'm sort of proud of it because there was a little guy on your shoulder and there was moments where you'd get over him. But most of the time, when I was taking a hit up, I was just running the line that I wanted to run. It's like you're getting up there and you're hitting the driver. You're not looking at trees, water. You're hitting your drive and that's it. Yep. So you're running and then all of a sudden, oh, shit, that tree, what about that water? What's the distance? You don't yeah, think sure. about it. So that's it. what I was thinking of every time I was taking a hit up or going into a tackle. And if you think that, well, you think of negative thoughts. Mm. So um, and sitting out a year, it was tough because I felt like I let my mates down at the Dragons. I really do. And it's part of that I'll carry for the rest of my life is Nathan Brown, who I'm really close with, Mundine, Mark Coyne, those guys. You know, in hindsight, I said it. Um, and I can't go back on my word, but if I could change anything, I wouldn't have said that I wouldn't play. I said, well, let's see the way it pans out. You know, if worse comes to worse, I can go back and, you know, play for the Dragons next year. I would have handled it like that. Um, but, you know, being young and dumb and not old and dumb now, but, you know, I probably would have changed what I said right at the beginning. Yeah, because we got caught in the, the so-called war of it, you know, like the Super League versus Arrow, like it wasn't a war. Like let's be serious. It was a, it was a, a game that come in. It was for pay television, um, and we picked the team. Basically, we just picked the side that we thought was best for our future, and that was the only way I was ever going to get home to play for Brisbane. Brisbane signed in that competition. I had to play Super League if I wanted to play for Brisbane. I couldn't yeah. have played ARL because Brisbane wasn't going to be in that competition. So, for me, there was so much for me to weigh to make that decision. So, um, that was pretty tough, but. Getting over any injury, um, I suppose, is always the toughest. Mm. I think you're you're speaking about there your words and you know the you know saying you know sticking by your word. You've you've done that probably throughout your career and and post football career, where you know you're not afraid to speak your mind, Gordon, and you're not afraid to you know just you know say how what you think. Me. Yep, you're not yeah. a, not afraid to say what you think, and and as you said, that's what you're paid. Are to you alluding now. to Wayne Bennett? <laughs> Things <laughs> no, I say not about at Wayne. All. I, I'm just thinking about you know from a over the course of your career with you know with the Super League, you obviously said what you thought on the Origin field to Bill Harrigan, you know, wow. and had to Couldn't you know had to, yeah. <laughs> had to have had to actually that that's well. a massive regret because you know you got your kids and you're trying to teach them to play fair and. Mm. You know, when I talk about that and I go somewhere and people say, oh, what about that? 
I wasn't thinking of the mums and dads sitting on the couch with yeah. their kids. You don't think of that. No, you don't. You like, don't, mate, do you? Mate, look, when you hit the driver and there's a microphone there and you yell out, yeah, and you do all that, you don't know that the camera's on you at that time no. when you're hitting a bad shot or whatever it is. Um, I didn't know at that moment. Like you, like when you're in the moment, you're in that moment. You're, oh, yeah. I'm not out of the moment. You know, helicopter and you're, you know, hovering <laughs> over, looking at myself, going, "Shut up!" Um, but it's funny because I put it in my book with with Bill Harrigan. Like there was two knock-ons. We all know we don't have to relive it. But I remember coming back in the line. I said, "You won't be here in game two. Stephen Clark's a better referee. I was giving it to him like that." Then by the time. He awarded a try. I said, Bill, come on, mate. You saw those two knock-ons. He goes, go away. I said, oh, God, you're a cheat. He goes, what, you call me a cheat? He goes, call me that one more time. I'm going to send you off. I said, you're a cheat. He said, go. I didn't – like, I called his bluff. But he wasn't bluffing, right? I thought, he had a, I thought he had a set of twos in his hand. He didn't. He had a couple of aces. He just had the finger and he pointed off. Anyway, I went and apologised to him straight after the game. I walked into that I, – I, didn't know where it was. So can you tell me where the referee's room is? Walked in, Bill, I'm sorry. He goes, mate, it's all right. He goes, he goes in hindsight, I should never have sent you off. Then we went and had a meeting about six because the media started getting on it. You know, you, know, you shouldn't have been sent off. They ruined the origin and Queensland media were into Bill and all that. So then I went and had a meeting and I went to his pl- his parents' place in Coogee. And I remember walking in and his dad's Bill Harrigan. And he goes, oh, mate, I don't know what... You're the only player that gets under my son's skin. I don't know why, but I reckon he picks on you. I'm like, Bill, you listen to this guy. <laughs> and mum goes, yeah, I don't, I don't, he should never send you off. And he goes, mum, I didn't send him off because you called me a cheat. I've been called a cheat a million times. I sent him off because he told me Stephen Clark was a better referee. <laughs> <laughs> and, Bill, and I said, Bill, can I put that in my book? He goes, yeah, absolutely. So, oh, that's awesome. So, so, yeah, so he goes, mate, he goes, when you told me that he was a better referee, he goes, you had to go off the field. That he goes, I was going to get him out. But, it's, but, uh, but like, when we sort of do speaking engagements together, like when he tells that story, it's sort of funny. Yeah, that's that, brilliant. That, that I got under his skin. Mate, not calling him a cheat. That was yeah. fine. Yeah. Telling him someone's better than him. Oh, Bill. Oh, it's brilliant stuff. Mate, let's talk origin. It's just around the corner in a very weird, well, I mean, the whole year's it been weird, weird, hasn't it? You know, but... Yeah. Um, we're about to encounter a standalone Origin series um, yes. with no rugby league going on other than Origin. That's interesting in itself. Why? You said before you you know you'd pay money to go and play for Queen. You don't need to get paid to play for the Maroons. It's yes. that jersey. It's that passion. Yes. It's that you know. It's, is it the pinnacle? Is it you know playing? I know that sounds like a dumb question to my listeners out no, there. No, it's not. Is it the pinnacle? But you know, there's Australia. But is yeah. Origin the pinnacle? Is Queensland the pinnacle over Australia? Well, you make, you make a great point. Like, Greg Norman would come and send us a fax. So when I'm captain, Greg Norman. Like, that's pretty big name in Australian sport. Good luck, Gordon, and your Queensland team. When I'm playing for Australia, I don't get a fax from Greg Norman. Yeah. yeah. You don't get a text message from Greg Norman. Greg Norman would fly in to watch Queensland play. Yeah. You know? Um, Matthew Hayden. Mate, yeah. can I get an origin jersey? Because he doesn't ask for your test jersey. Yeah. So he gives me a bat that he plays tests and wants to give yeah. me a test shirt, but he wants to swap for a Queensland jersey, Alan Border. Yeah. Yeah. They want Queensland stuff. So fascinating. I think I think as a Queens look, it's it's really hard. So winning grand finals, I always get asked that question. Grand finals, Queensland or Australia. Well, it's like having three babies. Yeah. You know. 
You, love you have your favourites in that moment, right? Yeah. So when comes over and goes, Daddy, I love you, well, he's your favourite at that moment. <laughs> so when Origin time's around, that's my favourite team ever. Yeah. And if I could play one game, one like one more game, it would be State of Origin. But then when you watch the Australian side run out and you know that blokes like people's grandfather, you know, sailed away in a rusty tin boat to fight for your freedom. Yeah. And you have yeah, to play and you pull that jersey on and you got up and watched the ashes. And I know that the Australian public don't hold that jersey as high as a Wallabies or a Socceroos, but that's that's probably one of the most successful teams ever to leave this country. The Australian. Absolutely and that's, it is. And that's the sport that I play. Yeah. And when you win a grand final, well, you know, they're the hardest probably things, you know, it's probably the hardest thing to do is to win a grand final. So right. there's three little babies, um, but I love Queensland and I suppose it's the pinnacle because it's the hardest game to play. It's, a, it's just, it's the tightest contest. Yeah. If, if someone would have told you, Matty, when you were five or seven, it's ridiculous, that isn't it? a fat 35 year old was going to come and play. He wasn't playing reserve, but he was playing a Parramatta and he'd come and he'd hit a couple of his teammates, ex teammates in the mouth. And this beast would roll on between two states. And, and the and, closeness, the closeness until the Queensland sort of period of dominance, the closeness of games won per state, it, points scored per good. state, it's frightening. Yeah, like, I think after 30 years, it was like a Queensland had had one more game. There was four points separating the both. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like, ridiculous. are you serious? Yeah. You know, and then both teams had their dominant. Eras, yeah. you know, like you know, like the New South Wales are dominated, Queensland's dominated, New South Wales are on a bit of a run now. But yeah, we go into every series now expecting to win, or Queensland want us to win. And um, I've never felt more pressure. Like I can walk the streets as a Broncos captain, Australian player, as Gordon Tallis. People say g'day. When you walk the streets at Origin time and you're the Origin player, mm. everybody says hello. Everybody yeah. pats you on the back. So whether you're underground at Mount Isa. Or up in Cooktown fishing, you that that six week period, you are so proud to be a Queenslander, and there's always a slab of beer on, you yeah. know, with your mates in New South Wales or whatever. There's always a bed, a friendly bed, or bragging rights, and it's the thing I think that brings Queenslanders together and it gives us a little bit of hope. And through this uncertainty of COVID, you know, hopefully that Queensland play the way Queensland should play, and you know, we make our state proud. And I just knew that. Wayne Bennett walked to me before one game, Matty, and he goes, oh, who do you want to be growing up? And it was always origin. You always wanted to be Wally Dawson, sure. Melman Inger or Gene yep. Miles. And whoever got man of the match, that's who you wanted to be. Yep. I had the, you know, Lewis on the back of the jersey or Bob Linder. So you'd go yeah. there and you just wanted to be that kid. And so just imagine if every kid tomorrow woke up and wanted to be Gordon Tallis. Mm. Oh, oh, shit, I never thought of that. I was yeah. thinking, yeah, so... So I knew how happy it made me feel when Queensland won. It, it was such a buzz going to school the Absolutely. next day. You're throwing dummies, you got the ball. And that's what it does for young kids, you know, I'm in Queensland. And hopefully this year, this young squad can go out there and do the same. And I think it's one of those years almost, it feels like in any way, it feels like almost a, you know, not quite a fatties team year, but we're a bit low on troops this year. You know, yeah. like there's a bit of a, you know, you look at the depth in the New South Wales squad, it's, you know, it's far deeper than the Queensland squad, yeah. but you just kind of have this, I don't know, I have this sort of... Matty, it always end. has been. Don't oh. Listen, don't go reading it on paper. If the game was played on paper, I'd still be playing. It's played yeah. on grass. 
It's played with footy fields in a stadium. It's awesome. So that's the greatest thing. So when Wally Lewis would go up against those great New South Wales sides and they had Tunks and Roach and Roberts and this huge big pack and Wally would beat them and then, you know, we run out forwards and they didn't know. It was Jacob Lilliman, Nate Miles, who no one knew who they were and we'd go and they'd win eight in a row. Don't worry about who's on paper. No, that's who's on paper. That's what I'm saying. If Queensland go out there and we play the way we can play, you know, we're a chance in any game that we ever run out in. And, and talent talent takes you so far. Yeah. Penrith were the most talented team in the competition. Yeah. Melbourne Storm were the most professional and well-coached and worked harder for each other than any other side that we've ever witnessed on a rugby league field. And that's why they win. That's what Queensland have to adopt, that go just in case you need it. All the great players go just in case they're needed. Mm. Pappenhausen run to the sideline, tapped it back in over his head just in case the ball doesn't yeah. look like it's fine and touch. If he doesn't go there, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. There's, he's still going to win the Clive Churchill medal, but he went there just in case the kick, and that's what the great teams do, and that's what the great players do. With, when Queensland comes together, and you speak about great players, when Queensland comes together, how, does it, how do the coaching staff pull it together? Because you've got clear talent on the field. So, you know, yeah. everyone playing in that 17 can play football. You're not needing to teach them how to play football. Yeah. But you're needing to teach them something. You're needing to teach them how to play maybe with each other and they haven't played with each other before. Yeah. But how does, it, how does that sort of come together yeah. in an origin week, Gordon? Well, I'll, I'll talk about my era is the Broncos, we defended a certain way. The Bulldogs were very brutal. They'd come up and in and, you know, like a bit like Melbourne Storm race up and in and put pressure on your ball carriers. Broncos were sort of up and try to force you to the sideline. So there's about three or four ways that, or uh, defensive patterns back in my era. So we'd have Bulldogs players, we'd have Cowboys, we'd have um, Cronulla boys with Paul Green and a few of those and Martin Lang. So we had to pick a style that we were going to defend. So basically all week you would defend because some go up and out, some come in and you can't get confused. Under fatigue, you have to defend. So it was basically making sure we would get our defensive patterns right. And okay. then once you got that right, the attack will come. And then, you know, and, then, and it's all about the little combinations when you're at training. You go, hey, mate, if he comes in there, I'll just be here. And then you just keep on working on the combinations with the hooker. So I'd work really hard with Steve Walters. Uh, I played once with Cameron. But you say, hey, mate, if I do that, I want this. I want you to get out and do that. And it's all that sort of little plays that I had, I didn't have that when I was a young kid, but if I was in there now, I'd be telling young Tino, hey, mate, mate when you're going to take a hit up, if someone flies out, I'm going to be here. I'd, mate, you just don't even look. I'll be calling or whatever. And then you work out those little combinations with your teammates. But most importantly, defensively, whatever system we pick, the, the system won't fail. You will fail the system. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. So don't fail the system. So if we all believe in it, if we all do this for 80 minutes, we will win. And um, that's probably pretty much what Wayne Bennett's really good at, is yeah, getting you to believe in the system. And then um, the good players will do it. Like if, if like Harry Grant's a hooker, mate, he'll come up with a play. Brimson will come up with a play. Like, you know I mean, like there'll be points in us. It's about defending the points. Mm. I'll give you confidence then, didn't I? Oh, hey? yeah. Oh, mate. <laughs> let's excited. jump on the first tee and oh, pull out the driver. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I just love it. I love me because, you know, what we don't see or understand as – 
it's a bit like you thinking about golf and, you know, if you're asking me questions about golf, as you've mentioned there, you know, I see, I see something when I stand on a tee, you know, what goes yep. through my brain to see the picture, understand the trajectory, where's it starting, coming back through, then I've got a hitting zone understanding, I've got an understanding of the laws of the game that will send the ball out there and have it spin back the other way. And I know all yep. that stuff and I see it all and it's quick. You know, it's not slow motion. It's it's very quick for me because I've hit millions of golf balls. But when we watch rugby league, well, when I watch rugby league, I don't know what goes on in that defensive line. I don't know what goes on behind the doors at Origin to bring a whole bunch of elite players together to get them to gel somehow miraculously to create the best three-game competition in the world in rugby league you know it's just phenomenal so for me it's it's excitement and confidence in the maroons but it's just unlocking a little bit of the unknown and the listeners will appreciate that as well well, 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 it's it's always unknown look don't get me wrong i've always been nervous before every origin of course sitting in the shed mate the first ever origin i've played right i'm wally lewis is the coach mel meninga is the captain (laughs) right are you serious? Trevor Gilmeister, <laughs> like all these guys, says Alan Langer was sitting at the MCG, 87,000 people, I think it's June 4, 1994. And I look over at Alan Langer and he starts to spew. Yeah. <laughs> and I just had the greatest week of my life. Wally Lewis is the coach, Melman is the captain. I'm eating with Trevor Gilmeister and all these guys. It's so cool. Like I'm wearing, playing for Queensland and our best player at the time starts spewing. I'm thinking, <laughs> Does he know something I don't know? What's wrong with this guy? But it was just through the nerves. So Elf yeah. knew what he was about to go into. And I was on the bench. And then I realised that Elf does it before every game. Alan Lane is feared before every game. So when I come to play for Brisbane, we're playing a trial matchup against Penrith and Papua New Guinea, and he spews. But the more he spews, the bigger the occasion, the better he was going to play. So if he spews for three or four minutes, he's man of the match. Mate, I wish I could text you now and go, get your money on L. He's going to beat No one will beat us today. But it was just a little spew. I'm thinking, shit, it's going to be a hard day at the office. But um, so you're never ready for origin, you know, but you've got to expect the unexpected. You've got to go just in case you need it. Um, I've never, it's the only game I've ever played where you taste the blood in your lungs, you know, like your, I mean, like your lungs are burning like so yeah. much, you know, and you just, and you're running and then, you know, origin for me is Paul Bowman. Um, he was a centre play for the Cowboys. Yeah. Great, honest player, great teammate. He's come out and I didn't realise, so he did his knee, one of those knees where you're out for three months or whatever, but he did it. And he was getting up and he was limping and I thought he, and it's sort of running like he just had a cork. And I said, get back up the marker. See, and I was saying other stuff. So he got back up the marker and then I'm pushing him left, I'm going right. And then they kept on running back at him because they're smart. Andrew Johns realised we had an injured man, like man down. So, they, so then they kept on attacking him. So then we made another tackle together and I said, go left, get up, Bowie, get up and go left and right. He made three tackles in the middle that day. And then the last one, he just ran out and he dived and he got knocked out. And Gary Belcher picked him up and he ran off the field. That doesn't happen today, right? But he wouldn't do that playing for any other club except for Queensland. Yeah. That's what that jersey, that's what has to happen. Michael DeVere played for New South Wales. He gets stapled on the field. Ridiculous. Don't do that. <laughs> playing for the Broncos, they just take you off. Yeah. So what Origin does, like... Um, Morris playing for New South Wales. He's on the sideline. He can't run. He gets up and chases. 
and catches Greg Inglis. Like there's so many stories like that. You know, Trevor Gilmeister in mate, the greatest story is Trevor Gilmeister. He's in he's in hospital all week. They said you can't play because he had some staff, he had a gold and stuff, said, mate, you can't play. Choppy close and the godfather, Dick Tosser, Turner walk in and said, Get out, mate. And the doctor Terry goes, oh, I don't think he can play. I said, Well, he goes, Well, but what's the worst thing that could happen? He goes, Well, there's a chance that the infection could come and he could die. Tosser and Choppy turn to each other and go, What better place to die than state of origin in front of all those points? <laughs> Keely pulled the drip out, he went and captained them in the last game in '95. Went there, played the game, they won, they cheered him, he looked sick as a dog, got up the trophy, back to the hospital, put the drip in. But 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 then there'd be stories like that from New South Wales. Yeah. And it just happens. Mm. Or it just it's just something that you do in that jersey. And obviously Australian teams have it and you know, there's certain tournaments, mate, that there's no way a little injury is gonna stop you from swinging a club and yeah. getting on the first tee and trying to rip a driver down there and get off to yeah. a good start. And you know, that's um, origin is that. Origin's not about the best team. It's not about the most talented player. It's the player that digs the deepest in those moments. And that's why we love it. Mate, that, mate, that's why we love it. We don't love it because of the skill. We don't talk about the skill. We talk about the gutsy efforts yeah, yeah, that Queensland have won. And what New South Wales have done, mate, when they've dug deep and, you know, Morris gets up or they've won on the bell and they go, mate, how good was that? We don't talk about the skillful stuff. No. You know, the games where we won 50 nil. Yes, we enjoy those big performances, but it's the real tight ones when Cooper Cronk kicks the field goal. I remember I had my I little there. son, Jacko, on my mate, Jacko's on my thing and we're watching the first origin when Cooper I jumped up. He's gone two he went two rows forward. So <laughs> I had him on my lap and Cooper Cronk kicked the field goal. Oh jumped like a fan I've jumped like a fangirl. He's flowing off my legs two rows. I'm trying to catch him. He's going everywhere. But that's what Origin does. It makes yeah. it I'm, I'm a fan. I, I'm not a player anymore. I'm a fan. I've yeah. gone back to what I was when I was 12, 13, 14, yeah. 15. Yeah, I want Queens and that's it. And, I'm, yeah. and I've always been a fan. Even when I was playing, I was, it, was a, it was a little bit more pressure as a fan. Yeah. But now I've gone back to the biggest fan. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome, mate. I really appreciate your time in uh, in dropping in today on the hard yards and and being a any time. I'll have mate. a game of golf. You know what? You owe me a game of golf for this. I do owe you a game of golf, and I'd love to do that with you. Before yeah, I before we finish up, I've got one more question for you. Yes. Now, this question I ask everyone on the podcast, all my guests, is the final question. If you could be any sportsman from the past or present and live a day in their shoes, who would it be? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Yeah. I just think after watching the last day, like there's, look, there's so many. Um, there is, I, I dream of being a lot of people all the time, you know. <laughs> um, it wouldn't be bad being Mike Tyson. I remember when he said everybody had a game plan until I hit him, which, which was, a pretty, it's, you're pretty confident. So, yeah, everybody's got a game plan until I punch him. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think Jordan, after watching The Last Dance, you know, when he was at his prime, I was just going to the Dragons and the Chicago Bulls and watching The Last Dance to have that guy with the killer in him. He's just super successful off. He's worth $2 billion. So not only such a great player, but successful in life. Great golfer. Had a couple of holes and ones. I think he yeah. plays off scratch yeah. or something like that. So he's a, he's a guy that... Um, He'd be very hard to defeat. 
yeah. think if you're ever in any sporting thing, like Tiger Woods, like all you guys when you talk about Tiger Woods and they say that when he hits the ball, it sounds different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's something yeah. in in his presence, in his aura. Yeah. And um, I think those two guys certainly have it. Out of those two guys, I'd like to be Tiger or uh, Jordan just to see what goes through their mind. I think the, the, the most impressive part of the last dance for me watching Jordan was how much he just wanted the contest. He wanted the yeah. contest. He wanted the yeah. ball in the contest. Yeah. And I'm willing to fail. He was willing to fail to succeed, you know, yeah. and yeah. I love that. I just think yeah. that's, you know, that's you, mate, wanting the ball to hit it up when you yeah. need to do that hard carry off the yeah. meter line yeah. in the 78th minute of origin. You know, you want the ball, you know, they're the champions. Yeah. They're the champions of sport. The people who want it, they, they, there's a chance to fail, but you have to have yeah. that before you can succeed. Matty, this is what Wayne Banner used to say. There's three types of footy players. Those that make things happen, those that watch things happen, and those that don't know what just happened. <laughs> Which one are you? He used to say. <laughs> he used to always say, I'm like, oh, well, i got to be one of them, mate. Yeah. I'm all well, three most really time. Only, there's really only one choice you're going to make there, isn't there, when the coach yeah. says that Oh, no, wait, I'm that one. Sometimes I go, God, I don't know what else just did there. I don't know what happened. Uh, mate, like, when you play with the great players, uh, I don't know how he did that. But you pretend that you know that he was going to do it, but you don't know. <laughs> That's brilliant, mate. Awesome to catch up. Thanks so much. And uh, pleasure, mate. Any time. Touch base, and we'll uh, we'll have a game of golf. That'll be love brilliant. to we'll get uh, get your good mate Brad Whiting out there as well, mate. And Absolutely, we catch up. that'd be brilliant. Absolutely, sounds good. Thanks, thanks, mate. Scotty. Cheers, brother.